Oh, I thought you did that. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which... I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So again, as as we're really nearing the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, and, and we have studied through this the past couple of months uh, through the entire letter, but, but near the end he's giving his final exhortations, his final thoughts, his final encouragements and instructions to the brethren there in Ephesus. Uh, And he's ending this with this idea of be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Use the tools and use the armor, as he calls it, uh, that God has given us to win the battle that we're in the middle of. And so, you know, Paul, as he often does in a lot of his letters and writings, he, and, and, Really, Jesus did this same type thing uh, by way of parables, but he, he's using everyday things uh, to make analogies about spiritual applications and, and spiritual things. And so uh, that's what uh, we're going to be talking about uh, tonight or this morning. Is, um, I think we asked this question last Sunday in class. Is winning this battle something that we can do on our own, or something we can do without help? And the answer was no, right? And, and it's because of who it is we're up against. And Paul uh, gives us some details, uh, which really are some, to me, kind of some scary and concerning details about who it is we're up against. Uh, it's almost like behind-the-scenes type stuff, things that we can't even really see uh, but that we know are going on and things that are that are working against us in this life. And so he lists the principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Uh, and that that is who is against us. And when we talk about against us or we talk about this battle that we are in, it's really the, the battle that we fight every day Am I going to do good or am I going to do evil? Am I going to let Satan pull me away from God or am I going to continue being uh, a follower of God? You know, and for us as, as Christians, that's what we committed to, to continue every day, day after day, to try our very hardest to be who it is 
God tells us to be, right? To not let these principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, not let these wicked things uh, distract us from God or, or lead us into sin uh, that we know our Heavenly Father is not pleased with and that we know comes with uh, loss of eternal life and, and punishment and condemnation. You know, those are the the things that are wanting to pull us down and, and our mission in, in this battle that we're in is to conquer those things and overcome those things and, and be victorious against those things. And we can only do that with God's help. You know, we have no... Uh, ability on our own to be able to overcome these spiritual enemies that we're up against you know we're not equipped for that without god's help and so uh, paul is basically outlining to us things uh, that god has given us that he wants us to use in this battle <clears throat> so as you go through this armor of god uh the first thing to notice, he says to put on the whole armor of God, right? He doesn't want us just using part of the things that God has given us. He says use all of it. it it's going to all be needed to win this battle. It's all useful for us in this battle. Uh, and so we need to, to recognize everything that God has given us uh, in the way of, of tools and things that can strengthen us and, and help us uh, against Satan and and be ready to use those things. And so the first the first thing that Paul says is to gird up your waist with truth. And so when when you think about what one of Satan's primary means of attack are, he's called the father of lies, right? Uh, John chapter eight and verse forty four. Uh, Jesus, in talking to uh, some of the Jewish leaders, says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so you know, I think we all here understand that is that is really Satan's uh, number one tool that, that, that he uses against God's people is deception. It, anything from from half-truths or, or twisting things just a little bit out, out of line from what God says all the way to just bald-faced lies that, that have no truth at all in them. Satan will use any form of deception uh, that he can to try to get us on the wrong path, to try to, to cause us to sin or cause us... Uh, to not do the things God tells us to, to, to do. And so, girding our waist with truth, when you think about a, a soldier's outfit, and we've all seen these pictures of the Roman soldiers that, that you know, oftentimes uh, come up in this discussion. And, you know, he, he's dressed uh, the way that they dressed back then, but, but this final girding around the waist is kind of what ties everything together. It's what holds everything together, right? Um, and and that's what truth does for us. Uh, the, the more we are reminded of God's truths, the more we know His promises and we have them in our hearts and minds, the more we know His commandments and His expectations for us, the, the better grounded we are in truth 
and in what God's words actually are, uh, the less likely we are to become victims of Satan's deception and, and Satan's tricks. And when you think about it, the truth is something that we can always come back to. Um, I was thinking about this this morning and as I was uh, going through my slides that, you know, I think everybody here knows a, a lot of, of my family history and I've got, you know, um, family members that are not faithful to God, some that are faithful to God. Um, and, you know, all through my growing up in the church, the, the one constant that there's always been to me is God's truth. It's always been... That, that we have this book from God that we can go to to see what it is that is right and what it is that is true. And so I think that's how God wants us to, to rely on his word. He wants us to know that no matter what kind of turmoil or trouble may come up in our life, what, what kind of deceptions or, or unfaithfulness or evil or wicked things uh, may, may come into the, the sphere that we're living in, uh, if we'll always go back to his standards, always go back to his truths, uh, his commandments, and his promises, the, the, the blessings that he tells us come with following him, if we'll be grounded in that, um, you know, that is kind of what holds us together as his children, right? That's what we can always come back to, uh, uh, to, to know that we're doing those things that are right. And so... Not only is this truth something we can always come back to, but truth is also something uh, that God's children should be known for. Uh, we see that is a character trait of God's children, of Christians. Uh, James chapter 5 and verse 12 is just one place uh, we can see that. It says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Um, Christians are not supposed to be known for anything other than being true, right? What, what I tell someone is what it's supposed to be whether we're talking about scripture scriptural things or everyday life things if i provide information to someone in work uh, it's supposed to be true and honest it's not supposed to to have any any uh, type of twist to it or or deception to it it's supposed to simply be uh, truth and uh, that is really again what christians are supposed to be known for and what they're their character trait is because if we are um, to be mimicking our father and 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 to be striving to be holy as he is holy there there is nothing but truth uh, in our father and in uh, Jesus his son and so again girding our waist with truth uh, is the first thing Paul mentions here and and one of the most important things that really ties together uh, who we are as God's children. The second piece of armor that is mentioned here is the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, and so, again, just like truth and, and, and being truthful or being uh, someone who is always honest is, is really part of being righteous, but 
Uh, righteousness is something else that God's children are supposed to be known for. First uh, John, verse three, or chapter three, verses eight through ten says, "Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God." And by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so this this concept or idea of someone who practices righteousness, someone who lives out their life in a righteous way day after day, uh, is really what God's children are to be known for. That's, that's how the world is supposed to be able to recognize God's children. They, they are the ones who are practicing righteousness day after day. And so um, this breastplate of righteousness uh, can you, is front and center, right, on the armor. It's something that, that uh, is there, front and center for everybody to see, but it's also something that plays a vital part in protecting us and so how does righteousness help to protect us and and protect us in a a spiritual way Uh, you think about this armor uh, for a roman soldier the breastplate is protecting those vital organ organs right protecting the heart and and the lungs and all of that uh, uh, mid-level stuff that if that gets damaged you know you're pretty much done for um and so this protection or this righteousness, uh, I think when we live and practice righteousness day after day, just as we're supposed to, it, it really has the effect of protecting our heart. In First Thessalonians 5 and verse 8, it says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of, the faith, of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And, first, and Philippians 1, uh, 9 through 11 says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so... Again, think about uh, some of the lessons we've had in here. I know Mark has done some some lessons on this. Uh, really, he called it a, a, like a wheel, right? As we go through life, when we are doing the right things, we come to a, a crossroads in life. We have a choice to do something right or wrong, right? Um, if we choose to do those things right, even if it's difficult, the next time we come to that decision, is it easier for us to choose the thing that's right? It is. And so practicing righteousness daily is something that really feeds itself in a positive way, right? The, the more we live in the right way, the more we make those right decisions, the more protected our hearts should become and the more grounded and, and firm we should become and and the easier it will be for us to make those right decisions over and over again. Um, as we do that, we're making it harder and harder for Satan to find a way in, to find a way to pull us away from God. 
when we don't practice, if you think about it in the opposite way, when we start to not practice righteousness on a daily basis, we 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 start to to give up on some of those things that are right or not hold firm on on uh, making those right choices day after day. What does that do? It begins to give more and more opportunity, right, to to Satan, more and more. Uh, little gaps that he can find, places that he can tempt us in, ways that he can pull us away from God. And so <clears throat> it's almost like uh, if we begin to stop practicing righteousness and we don't have that that breastplate there, or, or if we have, um, think about, I think it's one of the, maybe it's one of the Hobbit movies where the, the big dragon is flying if I'm remembering the right movie. And and what do they find on the the dragon's hard to kill because of the scales form such an armor, but they find one one little scale missing, one little gap, right? And and it's a point of weakness and that's how they end up killing the dragon. And the same can can happen to us. Satan can find, you know, that one little spot in in our breastplate, in our protection where we're not practicing righteousness like we should, and, and he'll use that against us, and that'll be where he tries to, to focus to pull us away from God. And so the more that we practice this righteousness, the more that we live it out every day, uh, the, the stronger, I believe, we will be protected against uh, Satan. Okay, the third thing that is listed... Uh, is what we put on our feet. It says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Okay, and so you you think about a soldier's feet and, and you know, unless they've got really tough feet, they're going to need shoes, right? you got to have some kind of shoes on. And so what, what does Paul here indicate are these these shoes that a soldier would be wearing. It's the, the preparation of the gospel is how he words it. And so you think about this um, as how can the gospel prepare us in this battle? And, and when I say gospel, I think about you know all of the commandments and teachings that we find in the Bible uh, and, and specifically in the New Testament. And you think about uh, this idea of being prepared. And the Bible talks a lot about Christians should be prepared, right? Are, are we supposed to be caught off guard in this life? We're not. Uh, there, there's a lot of passages that show us. God doesn't want us to be caught off guard. Uh, earlier in Ephesians, uh, in chapter 5, says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, as we were going through chapter 5 a few weeks ago, we, we talked about this idea of walking circumspectly, right? Uh, walking around kind of with your head up, looking ahead, thinking ahead. Uh, looking out for the enemy before the enemy gets to you uh, is how I like to think about it. And and that's what God expects his children to be doing. Uh, he doesn't want us to, to be 
lulled to sleep by the temptations of this world or the love of this world. He he wants us to always be looking out ahead and and thinking about and trying to, to be on guard for the things that can trip us up. And Jesus talks about this uh, in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins in Matthew 25. You know, we're not going to read that whole parable, but it says the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And so... Like everyone here is familiar with how the rest of that parable plays out. Uh, the bridegroom comes later than they expected. Uh, the, the lamps have used up the oil that they initially brought. And, and when it's time to go in, the foolish ones who didn't think ahead, who didn't uh, prepare themselves as they should have ahead of time, uh, did not have what they needed and were not ready and, and basically were not able to enter into uh, the feast and so you know the message to us uh, here in Ephesians 6 about the preparation of the gospel of peace and, and from what we see in Ephesians 5 and Matthew 25 is, is we are to be sure we are prepared uh, for, for whatever comes at us in this life uh, and prepared for heaven in the end and, and that's what the gospel does for us. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, a passage we're all very familiar with, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Think about prepared for every good work instead of that word equipped. It's the same idea. You know, be... Um, working to have and use everything that that we've been given. Ephesians 2 uh, says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, again, think about what God has given us and why God has created us and, and how he expects us to be living our life every day here on this earth. He, he has given us instructions. He's given us his word that tells us everything we need to know about uh, how to live, everything we need to know about how to be prepared and what to look out for, uh, and everything we need to know about the promises that he has made us. All right. So after the our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel, the next piece of armor that is listed, or the next battle tool, if you want to think about it this way, is the shield of faith. And he, he says, above all, if you read in the, I believe in the New King James, he'll say, above all, take up the shield of faith, I think is how that's worded. And so... You know, that emphasizes the importance of this piece of armor. It's one of the most crucial pieces of armor that a Christian has. Uh, you, you picture yourself in a battle, especially a hand-to-hand combat-type battle uh, that, that these soldiers back then would have been in. Uh, the shield was something 
that was of utmost importance to the soldier. It's what uh, helped protect them from the enemy's arrows, from the enemy's sword. It was it was something that could basically ward off the attacks from the enemy. And so, again, it is one of the most crucial pieces of armor that we have. And First Thessalonians five eight it says, "But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith." As how Paul calls faith or uh, references faith in First Thessalonians um, and love and the helmet, the hope of salvation. And so, you know, in multiple places we've got <clears throat> faith is this idea of protection. You know, we described what a breastplate does a few slides ago in uh, the way Paul, the analogy Paul uses in Ephesians. Well, in First Thessalonians, he's still got the breastplate, but this time it's of faith. And so a breastplate and a shield are both things that protect, right? They uh, protect against an attack from an enemy. And so this faith, our faith, does this it helps to protect us it quenches the fiery darts of the wicked one and so again i know we've all seen movies from medieval times in the movie that you know the enemy sends this big volley of arrows towards who it is they're fighting against and and what does the one on the receiving end do they all duck behind the shields right the shield stops those arrows and and keeps those arrows uh, from causing any harm and that's what our faith does for us according to um, the gospel. If we are grounded in what God has told us, if our faith is strong like it should be, it protects us. It, it keeps Satan's attacks from having a harmful effect on us. We can block whatever it is he sends our way uh, as long as our faith is what it should be. And you know, the, the Hebrew writer tells us that this is really, think back to, to what Paul says here, above all, have this shield of faith. What does Hebrews eleven six tell us? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so, really, this faith is the, is the start of our salvation and and it is the foundation of everything else we do as a christian right if we don't believe that god exists and if we don't believe that he rewards those who seek him then you know why are we here what are we doing there's no point to the rest of anything else we're doing and so we have to have this faith if we're going to be pleasing to him if we're going to be uh successful in in serving him while we're here on this earth okay so after the shield of faith the next piece of armor uh, listed here is the helmet of salvation okay and so everything thus far that we've talked about has been protective right uh, you think about the breastplate, you think about the shield, you think about uh, shoes on your feet, uh, protecting your feet, uh, and, and now we've got the helmet of salvation. And I think everyone here understands that, that helmets are something 
everybody recognizes they're a protective thing in this life. We wear helmets in all sort of activities uh, that, that could be harmful to our heads because protecting our head is, is one of the most uh, important and crucial things that we can do, right? And so our confidence in salvation is supposed to be like a helmet for us. It's for, supposed to protect our head uh, from these attacks from Satan. And if you think about, and I think we had a lesson not too long ago about confidence, right? And and how important it is and how necessary it is for Christians to maintain confidence in salvation because if we begin to to lose that confidence in God and and in the salvation that he's provided us we're going to derail pretty quickly and it's going to be easy for us to be discouraged when things may get a little bit difficult Uh, in Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39 Paul says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What Paul is saying there is he is 100% confident that God is on his side and that God wants him to be successful as a Christian, that God wants him to be in heaven with him after this life is over. That's the confidence God expects us to have. And in Hebrews 10, again, we see some encouragement and and some words about this confidence uh, that's related to salvation. And so as we're reading these passages, think about how this confidence in salvation, the assurity that we have that we will be in heaven with God if we live a life faithful to Him. Think about the protection that gives us, right? And how that that could be like a helmet for us that no matter what happens in this life, that promise of salvation is what makes it all worth it. That's what helps us to do those hard things. That's what protects us against discouragement and, and against giving up on being a Christian. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 35 through 39 says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who have faith and persevere their souls, preserve their souls. What, What the Hebrew writer there is saying is you have to maintain that confidence. You have to be 100% sure that God's salvation that he has promised is real and that it is worth it. That no matter what you have to go through in this life to be faithful to God, that promise of salvation, that confidence in God's uh, reward that he's given us will will help to get you through those things. It will act as this helmet, uh, this protection against those negative thoughts or those doubts, those things that can pull us away from God. Okay, we've got um, 
the next is really not a piece of armor this time. Like I said before, everything thus far has really been of a protective nature, right? Uh, but we've got now to the sword of the Spirit. And this is, uh, Paul tells us, it is the Word of God. And so, you know, think about all, all we've talked about thus far has been protective, been defensive, right? Does God just want his children to be on defense all the time? He doesn't. He, he wants us to, to be on defense, but he also expects us to be on offense as well, right? He doesn't want us just uh, taking Satan's darts all the time and, and never really fighting back against those things, if you want to think about it that way. Uh, and so this sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is our weapon. That is how we fight back against Satan and, and against the deception that he brings. And if you think back to the life of Jesus, that's exactly what he used, right? He used the words of God to be on the offensive. You you think back to all of his dealings with the Pharisees, the ways that they would attack him, he would respond with God's word. Think about uh, Satan tempting Jesus and the devil. Uh, in the desert, uh, he would respond with God's word. That that is what he used to go back on the offensive, right? <clears throat> and and it goes back to this concept of truth that we talked about. Uh, the first uh, piece of armor, really, this idea of of everything God's given us is true, is reliable, and we need to know it and use it. Uh, believe in what it tells us. Stick with what it says to do. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, that that is how God's words are described. That is what they do. They are active. They are living. They have effect on people. Um, it says sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it is something that uh, I think is put in another place does not return void. God's words accomplish things, uh, whether it's fighting off falseness or false teachers, whether it's conviction of sin, uh, whether it's encouragement because of the the hope that we've been given. You know, God's words are active and living and, and they have effect on people. That's that's the way they are. That's the way God made us, that his words have effect on us. Uh, and so, again, we're supposed to use God's word as, as a tool of offense. Uh, yes, it can be defensive, but it, we're supposed to use that as something to fight back against uh, the attacks of the devil. And then the, the final thing mentioned uh, in this section that, that we've read, and it's not really tied to a piece of armor, but I feel like everyone here understands it can work like a piece of armor, is praying. Uh, Paul, there at the end of that section, talks about praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And so... 
you know, when you think about prayer and how it could be a piece of armor for us, a part of a soldier's uh, gear, if you want to think about it that way, you, you think about what prayer does for us. Uh, it, I think, number one, maintains our connection with God, right? It, the more often we pray, does that if we if we pray regularly, do we feel more connected to God? Yes, I think everyone here would understand that. If we fail to pray regularly, we start to feel disconnected, right? Because we haven't been talking to our Father. We haven't been going to our Father in prayer and, and talking to Him, telling Him about our needs and our wants, uh, thanking Him for what it is that He has done for us, reflecting on uh, how good He has been to us. And so the more we pray, uh, the stronger our connection is with God, the stronger our reliance is on God because in our prayers we're supposed to be, uh, again, going to Him about things in our life that, that we want help from Him with. And we're supposed to be going to Him with thanksgiving, being reminded of what He's done for us. And in all of that, little pieces of, of prayer ultimately help to strengthen our connection uh, to God. And the, the more connected we can be to God, the more He is on our mind and in our hearts, uh, the, the easier it is for us to follow Him and to rely on Him. And so, again, failing to do that results in us slowly becoming weaker and weaker, right? Because we haven't been coming to Him in prayer. We, we're losing that connection with Him. And the weaker we become, the more susceptible uh, we are to Satan's attacks. And you know, Paul mentions a few of the things there that we're to be praying about. Again, uh, things in our life, but also in the lives of, uh, lives of others. Uh, and especially in the lives of our brethren. We're supposed to be praying for one another. Uh, for specific things that may be going on in each other's lives. And for one another generally. That we would all... Uh, be on each other's minds and all wanting the best for one another. And so that is uh, really the end of the discussion in Ephesians 6 about put on the full armor of God. The, the last few verses in Ephesians 6 are really what we see as kind of common endings to Paul's letter where he talks about greeting uh, certain people. Uh, and, and wishing certain people well, those types of things. So we won't really look at that. But um, a, as a way of, of an invitation uh, this morning, as we're bringing this lesson to a close, you think about everything that we've been talking about is some type of tool or blessing that God has given Christians to help us in this life. Uh, to make this this life easier for us, to make this life uh, such that we can navigate it successfully and and faithfully, uh, remaining true to Him, and you know none of these blessings are are for anyone who's not a child of God, who who's not really uh, concerned with following God, and if if there's 
someone here this morning who's never become a Christian and, and who understands what it takes to become a Christian and who wants to be able to um, access these blessings and, and, and be a part of these promises that God has made, we uh, certainly offer that opportunity, but I think most everyone here uh, is a Christian and has made that decision. And so I think oftentimes uh, where these invitations that we often often offer come into play is is for us who are Christians who may not have been using this armor like we should have who may have fallen um, victim to Satan's trickery or Satan's temptations and and fallen into sin who may need the prayers of of brethren here uh, who may need to confess some sin and ask for forgiveness we uh, certainly invite you to do that and encourage you to do that at this time uh, if there is a need by anyone we uh, ask you to let that be known as we stand inside <laughs>